Thank you so much. Beautiful. Good to see Joe Green here this morning. What a blessing. And, again, <clears throat> thank you for being here this morning. And thank you to those of you who have been so kind to me. I had bananas on my porch again last night. This time it was two, two bunches of bananas on a chair on my uh, porch on the cabin. And along with it was this note. Your bananas if you think I'm rooting for Michigan. I'm quite speechless as to how to respond to that. But two thoughts do come to mind. One is, I praise the Lord that the truth is coming through of his word. And secondly, just my personality, it, it makes me prayerfully mindful of what I can say to rile some people up some more at this camp. I'm wondering. I'd like you to go back to John's John chapter 17 and the prayer of Jesus, uh, I'd like to do something a little unusual to go backward from where I was last night. Tomorrow night, I'd like to go forward again into verses 11 to 13. But back to verses 6 through 8, I shared uh, a couple nights or something a couple days ago in these verses some truth about a, um, a life of thanks Trust this life of uh, the conveyance of who he is through us and living in that as Dr. Gary's been talking about the flow through us. I'd like to go back to verses 6 through 8 and, and note something else um, about these verses this morning and the truth that is there. This amazing thing about God's word, really, for me, is that because it's a living word, because, because the written word is our is our connection with, is the revelation of, of him, the living word. Isn't it amazing the depth there is to that? Isn't it amazing that no matter how many times you go back, there's more. There's more of him. There's more truth. How many times in your life have you read a passage again that you read previously or maybe you preached on it previously or taught a Sunday school lesson and you go back another time and you say, I never saw that there before. There's an incredible depth, the depth of Jesus. We, we learned so beautifully this morning in Bible study the, the width and the length and the depth and height of Jesus. And uh, I loved what he shared this morning about how eternity is this endless, eternal exploration of him. I say amen to that. What a thrill. The thrill of being a Christian is to know more, is that I get to surrender all that I am even more to know even more the richness of all that he is in my life and that spiral of relationship, of going forward in him, the newness of that. And so in verses six through eight, I was struck by, by another truth. I'd like to read it again this morning, if I may. Jesus says in verse six, Father, I have manifested your name to the men you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and I have kept, they have kept your word 
Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Once again, Jesus, we bow. We join in the prayer that's already been prayed for over, for, and during this service, that you would just be here in your power. We need you in this tabernacle. We need you in tiny tots and in children's, and we need you in the youth tabernacle and up on that hill this morning, as Dr. Gary shares there. We need you all across this campground to, in our lives, bring us to a greater knowledge of who you are, Jesus, to walk away this morning from these times together changed, and as we come together in this service under this tabernacle tonight, as our brother Paul Whiteford shares, that we would come with ready and open hearts. We do this hour. Right now, Jesus will never have this moment back again. There'll never be another Friday morning, August 2nd service again in 2018 at Camp Syker. We don't want to miss what you have for us at this moment. Thank you that you won't let us. Thank you for the graciousness and the kindness of your spirit to us. So we wait with eager hearts in Jesus' name, amen. I think you know that God made us pretty complex beings. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. I think you know that as human beings, we have multiple components to us. I think you know that uh, even as the scripture, as Paul prays that incredible, makes that incredible statement at the end of his first letter to the Thessalonians where he says, I pray that the God of peace will sanctify you through and through that your whole body, soul, and spirit will be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we are body, soul, and spirit. And the soul part of us, some say that the soul consists of three parts. It's the mind, the will, and the emotions. So we have a body, we have a spirit, but this very complex part of us, each of us, known as the soul, makes us unique. It's our personality. It's what makes you, you inside the body that God designed to fit around that soul. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? That God designed, he knitted me together this unique body to fit around the soul, to contain the soul, that he, the personality that he gave each of us. As you know, my daughter works in labor and delivery there at the hospital in Nashville. It's amazing what she says, that, that even when those babies are born in those first hours as she, she cares for them there. She says you can see the personality in those babies even in those first moments. Even in those first hours, you, you just know that some of them are the laid back ones that are gonna be easy kids and then some of them come out with that kind of thing and you, you just know, you just see that personality that God put them together with, that God knit them with, that mind, a will, and the emotions. And it's interesting as you trace human history, and I think even as you observe church history, it's interesting, it seems to me at times, just, just my observation, it just seems to me at times that there are, there are periods when we emphasize one or the other of those. Especially the mind and the emotions. I've noticed, I guess, at times in the church, maybe even in church history, that we've been very mind-oriented. We've been very 
intellectually oriented. There was, there was those periods of time where Christianity is, is there's the emphasis on, on doctrine, there's the emphasis on what we understand, there's the emphasis on all those important things of what we believe with our minds, and that, that's important. Those are the times in the history of the church or even maybe in various periods where there's more of a focus on emotion. It's, it's more, it tends to be more about the feeling and what we experience with our feelings and, and those kind of things in services. And I might, I might suspect that in these days in which you and I live, there is more of an emphasis, maybe it's more of the pendulum swing a little bit in these days towards feelings, in churches, a lot of emphasis on what we experience and the sensory experience and the sights and the sounds and, and all, you know, it's what we experience in our culture. And, and so we want people to experience God in his fullness, of course, in worship and in our churches. And it just seems to me, it's just my observation, maybe, I could be wrong, but it seems that we're in an emphasis about feelings. It's okay, God made us with emotions, God gave us a mind and he gave us emotions and so there's nothing wrong with any of that. You notice that even the psalmist, when you read the psalms, the psalms are absolutely full of emotions. Full of not just mental and, and doctrinal and, 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 and understanding with the mind, but there's this free expression in the psalms of emotions, is there not? But also in the Psalms, not only there's just the raw expression of emotion and the feeling and just the honesty with God, but you know, along with the emotions, one of the crucial parts of Psalms is the statements of truth in there along with the emotions. Because without truth, emotions can run wild, you know. My wife's favorite saying at our house is, your feelings are not your friend, you know. That can be true. Feelings without truth. Feelings without fact. That's why it struck me in this very, what could be a very emotional night for Jesus. We've read the passages a week ago, actually, tonight. We read, uh, a week ago last night, we read the passages in in Luke and in Mark and the evening where Jesus is going to be arrested. A lot of emotion, man. It says he agonized. And it talks about, man, his heart was heavy and, and Jesus is just is feeling this, lots of emotions. And yet in this prayer, one of the interesting things we see in verses six through eight is a lot of facts. Facts. Truth that Jesus states. As a matter of fact, in verses six through eight, it's, you're, you're probably not as excited about this kind of thing as I am, but in the Greek, there's a lot of use of, of indicative verbs in the aorist tense. Anybody want to say amen to that? <laughs> Indicative verbs are statements of fact. They're things that are just, hey, this is the way it is. And the aorist tense even emphasizes that a little more because in Greek, the aorist tense, uh, some scholars believe, is the zero tense. In other words, what it wants to just emphasize is just the facts. It's not, it's not emphasizing anything else but just the simple fact of these things. So over and over again throughout these verses six through eight, in the middle of this very emotional prayer, hey, lots of heartfelt, lots of feeling, there's all these statements of fact, not to mention the fact that there's lots of repetition. I was kind of blown away by the repetitiveness of Jesus and his prayer. I always thought you're not supposed to be repetitive in your prayer, you know? And yet here's Jesus himself in this prayer being repetitive. Verse seven is a perfect example of that, where he says, now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. That's kind of redundant. 
isn't it? If something's been given to me, then obviously it's from you. And yet Jesus is repeating things. And I propose to you this morning that that is because, once again, he's emphasizing truth and facts in this prayer. As a matter of fact, we looked the other day at what Jesus really considers important in verse 8 is the response of the disciples. And look at what he really values in the response of the disciples. He values the fact in verse 8 that they have received the things from him, they have known surely, and they have believed, which is all again pointing back to the importance of truth. So I find it significant that before Jesus enters into the part of the prayer that we started into last night, into verse nine, where he's really requesting of the Father and he's praying for the disciples, I find it important that before he gets into that, he's getting into truth and stating fact. Again, emotion's okay. In Psalms, again, all throughout the scripture, emotions are okay. All the biblical writers get rather emotional at times. Apostle Paul is certainly not immune from getting emotional at times. Psalmist, all of the prophets, emotional at times. But we wanna base our lives on truth, amen? I wanna base my prayer, and I wanna base my life on truth. So as I look at verses six through eight, there are three, just simple, three things that I'd like to share with you this morning out of verses six through eight, which are crucial, important facts or truths of the kingdom, of eternity, of spiritual life for me to keep in mind in prayer and in Christian living. One is this, it's who God is. You know how crucial this morning it is for us to know as a fact Two plus two equals four. That's always true, and it always will be. It's crucial for you and I to know the fact and the truth about who God is in our lives. Rock solid, foundation, never changes, no matter how I feel, no matter what things seem like, to know beyond a doubt, no matter what things are going on around me, this is who God is. Notice that Jesus says in verse six, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me. There's a lot there about the importance of Jesus saying to the Father and to the disciples, listen guys, I have shown you who he is, who God is. I'm working on this a little more. I may be able to share a little bit more about it uh, on this, in the Saturday morning service if you're able to be here. But I've been really studying the idea of the name in Scripture. The name. I think you know that in Scripture, a name is not just random. A name is not just drawn out of a hat in Scripture. I think you know that biblically, in many if not most cases, the name is very significant because the name tells you something about the person. The name tells you about the character of the person. The name tells you about who the person is. The name reveals something very significant about about the life of the person. In fact, it may be said that in some ways the name is equivalent with the person throughout Scripture. You can know all kinds of examples throughout that. We may touch on that more on Saturday. So when you're talking about the name of God... Jesus is saying, I have manifested your name. He's not just saying, yeah, I told you I told you his name. What he's saying is, I have manifested, I have shown you guys who he is. Really crucial for you disciples to know who he is, the Father, to know who he is. 
The word manifested even indicates that. The word manifested in Greek literally means open to sight, visible, evident. It's the whole idea of just totally revealed. Hey, nothing hidden. Hey, not, not just kind of a hide and seek kind of a thing, but just this idea of God being seen for who he is. You know, that's important throughout scripture. It's important in John. You realize this morning God wants to be known Everybody understand this morning, God doesn't want to play hide and seek with us. God's not into that. God's not kind of on, you know, God's not into the carrot on a stick, uh, uh, the carrot on the end of a stick kind of thing. He's not here to tease us this morning. He's not here to say, hey, he's not, he's not here to do a little song and dance with us this morning. He's not, here to, he's not here to trick us this morning. Isn't it wonderful this morning that as much as you and I come unto this tabernacle this morning and we want to know God Isn't it amazing this morning that 10 million times more than that, he wants us to know him? He wants to be known. And that's why Jesus can say, God, Father, I have manifested, I have revealed who you are. That's a key part of Christian life, everyone. It's a key part in prayer, and it's a key part of the Christian life for me to know rock bottom, to know rock solid, to unshakable, unquestionable, no matter how I feel, no matter what things look like, to know that I know who God is. That's true throughout the Psalms. Think of how many times throughout the Psalms, in these emotional times, in these just cries of the heart, think about how many times the psalmist just declares who God is in the middle of all that. You know many of them. Think about Psalms like Psalm 46, verse one. God is. That's a statement. It's not how I feel. He says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, amen? That's true no matter what's going on in my life. That's true no matter how I feel today. That's true no matter what anybody else says. God is our refuge and strength. The psalmist says something similar over in Psalm 61, verse three, where he says, for you have been a shelter for me. You are a strong tower from the enemy. Amen? God is our strong tower. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter what's going on. Well, it sure doesn't seem like it, God, but he is. Psalm 18, back there earlier in the Psalms, one of the most early ones, where the writer says in Psalm 18, one through three, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be safe from my enemies. God is. Isn't it crucial this morning for us, everybody? Isn't it vital, especially for us, in the spiritual battle, and by the way, I think it's been mentioned this week, and I think it was uh, um, uh, Tuesday night with the Browns and missionary service, we all are in a spiritual battle, aren't we? Everybody, right? You're in a spiritual battle, I'm in a spiritual battle, all God's children are in a spiritual battle, and that's taking place on this campground, it takes place under this tabernacle, you better believe it's taking place in the other venues and tabernacles on this campground, it's gonna take place when we go home, from now till Jesus comes, we're gonna be in a spiritual battle, right? 
And you know one of the tactics of the enemy in spiritual battle? It's what he always does. It's what he's always done. You do know that Satan doesn't have any new tricks. Same old, same old. He's got the same old things, same old things. So if you can recognize the strategies, you know what to look for. And one of the strategies from the beginning of time, he's always a liar. By the way, he's been disarmed at the cross. Amen. He has no power. He has only one ability that God has left him with for God to use according to his purposes. And that one ability is he's still got a big mouth. He's a liar. And Satan always lies about a few things to us. And one of the things that he lies to us about is God. It's what he did to Adam. It's what he did to Eve. He lies about God, right? You ever, have you ever been tempted to believe something about God that's not true? Have you ever heard the whisper to doubt God? Have you ever just, you had the feelings bombard you? You weren't feeling good. Things were falling apart around you. Man, nothing seemed good and everything was going the wrong way and worse went to worse and nothing was improving and all the thoughts from the enemy come and you get bombarded by the thoughts. You ever get bombarded by thoughts? And you get bombarded by the thoughts and one of the things, one of the thoughts that bombards you is lies about God. He doesn't really care. He's not that good. He's not that faithful. What's he done for you lately? All those things from the enemy. So do you understand tonight, this morning, one of the crucial things for us in prayer is what Jesus does here. We gotta know and know beyond knowledge. We gotta know in a rock solid, listen, unshakable way, according to the word of God, according to truth. It's not how I feel. This is who God is. He's unchanging, isn't he? He's a good, good father. (laughs) And we are loved by him. And that never changes who God is. A second thing we see in verses six through eight that's unchanging this truth. I love this thing. I love this thing about basing things on truth. This truth, this fact, is not only who God is, it's that whose we are. We belong to him. I love the repetition again. I'm that kind of guy. I like this repetition. It really helps me to identify what's, uh, what's important. And Jesus, there's this repetition of the idea of, in verse six, that I have manifested your name to the men you've given me. They were yours. You ever thought about the fact that before the disciples belonged to Jesus, they belonged to the Father? You ever thought about the fact that before Jesus came along, the disciples were not just kind of these guys meandering around, picking at themselves, you know, just kind of going about their jobs and whatever. You understand that before Jesus ever came, before Jesus was born, before Jesus came, you understand that these men, these disciples, if they were living at that time, they were probably most of them born during Jesus' lifetime. But you have to understand, before Jesus ever called them, before Jesus ever was baptized and called them to be his disciples, they absolutely belonged to the Father. They were his. And he, God, was involved in their lives all along. <laughs> Not just when Jesus came, but all along. And so Jesus says, Father, they were yours, in verse six, and you have given them, they were yours, you gave them to me, and now they're in the care of Jesus. And and what it tells us this morning is that there was never a time, there was never one second, 
that they were out from under the care of God. Do you realize that's true for you today? Do you know that there's never been a second where you have not been under the care of God? Do you know there's never been one blink of an eye when you have not been under the care of God that all through, before you were born, every second of your life, well, how many of us could testify this morning that, man, I wouldn't be here today unless somebody was watching out for me? I can tell you this morning that he gave me a second chance when I was 17 years old. And I wouldn't be here this morning with you if there were not a God who loved me and a God who was holding me in his hands. And even before I knew him, even before I realized him, even before I trusted my life to him and said yes to him, he was looking out for me and I was in his care. And that's true for you today. And take heart today that that's true for all of our loved ones that we're praying for. They're in his care and they are never for one second out from under this prevenient grace of God in their lives. But I love this idea in verse six, though, that he says, they were yours, you gave them to me. And it's interesting in the Greek, it's not an either or, it's a both and. Literally it says, they were yours, and you gave them also to me. In other words, do you realize how wonderful this is this morning? I belong to Jesus and the Father. We're in joint custody. We belong to the triune God today. See, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Listen this morning, to become a Christian means to be embraced by a triune God. Do you understand the miracle, the amazement of being a Christian is that we talked last night about surrendering all that I am to him and he comes to be all that I am, all that he is in me. You understand, the amazement of the Christian life is that this God literally, I don't even know how to do this correctly theologically, so Pastor Gary, uh, Dr. Gary probably have to help me. But the, the miracle of the Trinity, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and their closeness, and their oneness, and their unity, and God literally cracked, it, cracked open the Trinity and invited you and I in. Not that you and I are gonna be God, don't get us wrong on that. Not that you and I are equal with God, but literally into the relationship that God has embraced us in, and this morning we are being embraced by the Father. You're embraced by the Son. You're embraced by the Holy Spirit. Boy, that'll help your self-esteem today. If you've ever felt lonely, if you ever felt like nobody cared, if you ever felt like, man, I just feel like I'm going this alone, and I just feel like nobody understands, know this morning, you've been, you're being embraced this morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Man, that's unlike the world. Man, the world is constantly like, who's taking care of me? Who's, you ever been in the hospital lately? Anybody been in the hospital lately? Anybody had a family member in the hospital lately? Have you ever had the, I don't know what happened to our hospital care. I shouldn't say this since my daughter's an employee of a hospital. But anyway, I, I don't know what's happened to our hospital care lately, but somehow it seems like you're in the hospital or you have a family member in the hospital. Have you ever asked yourself, who's really looking after this whole thing? Who, who's, who's the one coordinating? Who's, I got this person coming in and this person coming in and, and I ask them a question and say, oh, we'll get somebody to answer that. And then I ask somebody else, oh, we'll get somebody to answer that. And oh, I'll, I'll convey that message to somebody else. And you find yourself asking, is there anybody really looking out? You know what I mean? Anybody called customer service lately for anything? And if you're blessed enough to get somebody that can speak coherent English in the first place, 
How many times do I call customer service and they say, we'll transfer you. Oh, hold on. Your call is very important to us. We'll transfer you. Hold on. And then I hold. Oh, it's 20 minutes later and you get transferred to somebody else. Oh, your call is very important to us. Hold on. You're transferred to somebody else. You can spend hours, hours, hours being transferred, being handed off from one person to another. Do you know that's not that way with God this morning? The father didn't say, "Woo, Jesus, glad to have those boys off my hands. They're all yours. You understand this morning the care of God for you and me, and it is so crucial this morning in the spiritual battle that rages. One of the lies that Satan's going to tell us is about who God is, but the other one he's gonna t- another one he's going to tell us is about who we are. And I sing it along with Chris Tomlin this morning, don't you? He's a good, good father. And that's who you are, and I'm loved by you, and that's who I am, right? Who he is and whose we are. Crucial, because we're going to get bombarded. We got to know, we got to know that we know that we know according to God's word. This is who you are, and this is whose I am. And one more thing. I was so struck, talking about truth, of how important Jesus thinks that is. When he's talking about the disciples and their response, again, back to verse six, look at the end. He says, they were yours, you gave them to me. And, he, and then he says this, oh, Father, again, the high five, you know. They have kept your word. Like, that's, that's a big deal to Jesus. Oh, Father, they've kept, and then, he, of course, later down in verse eight, you know, they've received the things you gave me. Oh, they've known surely. They've believed. So this whole idea in verse six of They have kept your word. I love that word in the Greek. It means to watch over something very carefully. It means, it can mean to guard something. It can mean to protect something. I I really like one definition of the word, which means to watch something narrowly. I mean, you just kind of real so focused on it. You say, don't bother me right now. I'm watching, you know how ladies, guys watch football, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, don't bother me right now. I'm watching this. I'll eat later. Oh, unless you want to bring it to me. I'll eat later. Hey, I'll go to the bathroom later. I'm watching this very narrowly. Man, I'm locked in on that. Man, I'm focused in on that. And Jesus says that's what the disciples were with his word. Now, I know know this morning, I know what you're going to say. John, those guys, those guys, man, those guys didn't have it together. You're right. Amen to that, right? Man, these guys were a bunch of flakes sometimes. Man, these guys had a lot of room to grow. Boy, these guys weren't perfect. But I'll tell you what, one thing they had, Jesus says, is they were pretty focused on what he had to say. He said, they, I'm not making this up. He says to the Father, that's pretty important. He says, they have narrowly focused on your word. They have kept your word. You know what's interesting about that? The result of it in their lives. The result of it in their lives is verse seven. When you keep his word, when you get focused on his word, when you focus into truth in your life, man, when you get narrowly focused into truth in your life, when you just get locked in and you listen, man, and you're seeking the way we talk about seeking here at camp, when you say, man, I'm gonna come and I'm open and these guys didn't have it all together and man, they they had a lot of room to grow and man, they were a mess. Kind of comforts me. Man, they were just an absolute mess, but they were locked in. They were focused on truth. Look what happened in verse seven. Now, 
In other words, as a result of that, they have known. Want to have greater knowledge in your life? Anybody? Want to have a greater knowledge of Jesus in your life? You want to understand more of God? You want to see what you've never seen before? You want to go here out of camp with a new level of just truth in your life and revelation and just, man, I know him like I haven't known him before. And man, I'm going to go back and live in truth and live in victory like I never have before. Man, I want to walk in a new level with him. You know how that happens in your life? You respond to the truth you have. It's an amazing dynamic in the spiritual life. When you respond to the truth you have, God shows you more. And when you respond to that truth that he gives you, he shows you more. And when you respond, doesn't Christian life sound fun? The constant revelation of new truth, man, Jesus, I'm a mess, just like those guys. Man, I don't got it all together, just like those guys. I don't know how I'm gonna make it, just like those guys, but I'll tell you what, I'm gonna get narrowly focused on what you're saying to me. I'm gonna come to this service this morning. I'm gonna come to this service tonight when Dr. Whiteford preaches. I'm gonna just sit on the edge of my seat. I might even move up one row. Whatever it takes, God, I'm just gonna get, I'm I'm here, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna focus in, and man, Jesus, I like how uh, Matt keeps talking about responding. I like that language. Jesus, I'm gonna say yes, I'm gonna press in, I'm gonna respond to the truth that you show me. Whatever it is, God, sign my name at the bottom. Blank check. Sign my name at the bottom. The answer is yes. No matter what you speak to me tonight in the service, yes. I'm going for it. I'm going to respond. I promise you this tonight. If you do that, God will show you more. And if you'll say yes to that, God will show you more. You understand that's how we grow? That's the thrill of the Christian life. That's how we keep from being stale. You know the old thing, I'm saved, sanctified, and petrified. You know the old thing, right? You know how you keep, you know how you keep from being petrified? Keep saying yes to the truth you have. Get laser focused in. Keep the word that he's given you. Be a seeker after the truth that he's given you and he'll show you more. You say, John, can't we skip over truth? No, he won't let you do that. And that is so crucial in the spiritual life when you and I are gonna get bombarded by lies, when the enemy's not gonna let up on us, man. The key part in this spiritual battle, do you understand tonight, this morning, everybody, that that the spiritual battle is really a truth battle. Don't try to give the devil a black eye. You'll never be able to do it. You won't even know where to hit him. Don't try to give the devil a black eye. Don't try to take on Satan. You know the way you answer this battle? You know, the way you, you know the way you have spiritual victory in your life? Truth, truth, truth. Be into truth and respond to truth, the truth of Jesus with all you've got. So I want you to think about with me the three things we've talked about here that Jesus, you see in the prayer. You got knowing who he is. You got knowing whose you are that you belong and knowing what he says is truth. Know who he is, know whose you are that you belong to him and know what he says. You know what that sounds like? That sure sounds like relationship to me. In fact, I think that's how any relationship works. You gotta know who the person is. 
You got to know and trust that you belong to them and that they're embracing you. And you got to be able to trust what they say. And I say to you this morning, if any one of those things is missing, you don't have much relationship. If I don't know the person, I can't have much relationship. If I, don't, if I can't really believe and trust that they've embraced me, I can't really have much relationship. And if I can't believe what they say and don't know what they say, I sure can't have much relationship. You understand this morning what God really wants from us is relationship? Can I say that loud and long? God's not just interested this morning in people to do his dirty work for the kingdom. Yeah, I know why God needs me, because they need Sunday school teachers at church, I know. I know why God needs me, boy, our church needs people to tithe. And probably as a pastor, it's my fault for making you feel that way. I think I did that to people. But can I tell you this morning, God doesn't want you for something, he just wants you. We said the other night, he wants connection with me and you. Why do you want connection with me, God? Because I love you. He's a good, good father, that's why. And I'm loved by him, and that's who I am. And he really, really this morning, from the bottom of his heart, from the truth of God's word, on the authority of God's word this morning, God doesn't want any, he wants relationship with you and me. And you know this morning as well as I do that any relationship goes two ways. For there to be relationship, oh, you gotta know who the person is. You better find out who they are first. And if you're gonna have relationship, you gotta trust that you, that person is really embracing you and that you belong to them in this relationship. And you gotta be able to trust their word. I understand all that. But do you know the other side of relationship is not just that person and that you can believe them and who they are. Relationship requires relationship necessitates a response to the person. I don't know if I'm overusing that word or not, so pick a different one. To be engaged with, to interact with, to give oneself to, to respond to that person. And the Christian life, it must be that I know him and I know who he is beyond a fact, so I'm gonna get into truth, to know you all you are, to know what you are, not the lies that I hear. And by the way, folks, we're gonna hear them. We're gonna hear the lies. You and I are gonna be bombarded by the lies. So get back to the truth of who God is. Get into his word. Go home from this camp and get into his word like we never have. Jesus, I'm seeking you to know you, to know what's true and to know all the truth. But folks, we can know all the truth in the world and know all the fact of who Jesus is and who God is and how he cares for us and how he loves us and know that his word is reliable and true. But man, relationship depends this morning upon response. I'm going to ask Grace and Ron to come and help me. I'd like to ask you this this morning. I'm not here to pressure you this morning. I'm not here to make you do something this morning. That wouldn't be relationship either. You know, in the old days in Tennessee, shotgun weddings, right? Not much relationship in that. 
But I do ask you this this morning, in all sincerity. Between you and Jesus, when is the last time you made an intentional response to Jesus? I'm not just talking about mental, I'm not just talking about I understand that, I'm not just, not just yes, that is true, yes, I believe that, yes, that is who God is, oh, that's truth, yes, I understand that. I'm talking about the other half of relationship that says, God, with my heart, with my life, with who I am, I am intentionally giving myself to, engaging with, saying yes to, and responding to you in this. I'm not talking about emotionalism this morning. We can do that. I've probably done that. We've probably done that in camps. We can generate emotion. Hey, if it's about just having a big altar call, hey, we can keep you here for another hour, sing it again. You know, we can do all that, stir it up, get people going. That's not, that's not relationship, though. Relationship is Jesus, no matter how I feel, no matter what it seems like, no matter what, what, what things appear and what's going on in my life, I hear the truth. This is who you are. This is what you're saying to me, and it's true. And so Jesus, from the bottom of my heart, with my life, with my person, with my soul and my body, I am responding to you in that truth. That'll change your life. As a matter of fact, folks, I don't, I don't want brothers and sisters in Christ beloved. I don't want to just do that here this morning. I don't want to, and I'm, I'm going to do it here tonight. I don't know about you. I'm making a covenant with you tonight. For tonight, I'm coming. I want to come to the service tonight. And I want to say, Jesus, speak to me. Yes, speak to the teens. Yes, speak to the, anybody that comes in from new to the camp. Yes, speak to them. But Jesus, speak to me. And I'm making a covenant with you tonight, Jesus, that as you speak to me, I'm going to respond. I'm going to write my name at the bottom. You fill in the top, and I say yes. And I'm inviting you this morning. Would you live in that kind of a response? Because you know what will happen? I, I know. I don't know everything tonight. Hey, but you know what will happen? I promise you this. If we'll respond to the truth that we have, you know what will happen tonight? You know what will happen today? If we get laser focused in and a seeker and respond to the truth that he gives us today, you know what will happen? He'll show us more. And as we say yes to that, he'll show us more. Does this sound any fun? <laughs> And growing like I've never grown before, wouldn't it be something if these right here, wherever you are in life, wouldn't it be something if these were the greatest days of spiritual growth of my life? Wouldn't it be something if right now I could say, man, Jesus, I'm having the time of my life with you. This is amazing. I can't believe what you're doing in my life. Wouldn't it be something if my kids, my young adult children, could see a dad who's growing in Jesus and having the time of his life. And man, look at how focused he is. And he says yes. Man, my goodness, dad says yes to anything God says. And I invite you this morning. Wouldn't it be something? That, that is the key of the Christian life. I invite you this morning, what I'm praying for, for us, what I'm praying for, for the camp, what I pray for, for my own life this morning, is church this. We, we want a life of responding to truth. My prayer for us is that what happens here at camp meeting would just be practice. You know what this is this week? This is practice. 
Practice for what? Practice for going back to our churches. Because Jesus, I want to go back to my church and live in truth. I want to go back to my church and be a seeker after truth. I want to go back to my church and move up one row. I want to go back to my church and bring my Bible and pray and seek. And man, as I say yes to that truth, oh, and you show me more. I want to go back to my life at home and I want to get into your word like I never have. And I want to grow like I never have, man. What's happening at camp, this is, man, we, we can start calling it training camp. That would be amazing. Welcome to Camp Psyker Training Camp. When you know what it's really practiced for. It's practice for eternity. Because what do you think eternity is going to be except getting to know him more and saying yes to that and knowing him more and saying yes to that and knowing him more? So as Ryan leads us this morning, I won't tell you how. You've been around camp and church long enough in your life. Maybe you want to kneel at an altar. Boy, that's a great way. I, I pray and wish that we could as a church get used to that again. Man, it's not just for being saved and it's not just for being sanctified, for being sanctified and it's not just for accepting a call to ministry or missions. Man, it's just a place for saying yes. Or stand this morning or raise a hand or raise an eyebrow. But I ask you this morning in whatever way, would you just absolutely engage and say, Jesus, I want a life in truth with you. And whatever that you fill in the top, I'm signing at the bottom. Yes. Would you this morning with us as Ron leads us? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but holy lean on Jesus' name on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood when all around my soul gives way he then is all 
my hope and stay on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground sinking sand all other Heavenly Father, we know that emotions are part of who we are. It's how you've made us. And so we don't deny that it's sometimes through emotions that we're moved, that often it's our emotions that are stirred. Yet, Lord, we know we can't stop there, that that's not the purpose and not the goal. Lord, it's always to move us to response. It's a response that goes beyond how we feel in a moment. But it brings us to those decisions and those commitments that change our very lives. Lord, we've heard so many wonderful messages already this encampment. This is one more opportunity for us to respond for those who are already at the altar, for those who have stood and raised a hand, even raised an eyebrow, responded, Lord, we give you thanks for that. But Lord, you've called all of us to response. And so whatever that response is for each of us, may it transform our lives, not just in this moment, but when we go back home to our churches, and to our families, and to our communities. For Lord, that will be the evidence that what has happened here wasn't just for here, but it was for every part of our lives. So Lord, may we respond well and rightly as led by the Holy Spirit. We pray now that the grace and peace and hope that is ours through Jesus Christ would be made manifest in and through our lives this day and every day. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.